0: Welcome to the Sustainability Agenda podcast, my name is Fregel Byrne, every week I speak to leading figures from the world of sustainability and explore the sustainability agenda in marketing and strategy, technology, innovation, investment and finance, we look at the latest thinking, what's working and the future and evolution of the sustainability agenda. I'm very pleased today to welcome Pierre-Francois Thallet to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. Pierre-François is co-founder and co-CEO of EcoVadis, a leading platform for environmental, social, and ethical performance ratings for global supply chains. The company provides CSR ratings and scorecards covering 21 CSR indicators, 150 commodities, and 110 countries. The EcoVadis platform is used by 175 companies and over 30,000 of their trading partners to reduce risk and drive sustainability innovation. Well, welcome to the sustainability podcast Pierre-Francois. I'm looking forward to talking to you about the important work you're doing at EcoVadis. Perhaps we could begin if you could tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to set up the company.
1: So my background before starting EcoVadis was uh, working for technology companies in the uh, you know, procurement and supply chain space and, uh, and I was dealing on a, basis, on a daily basis with the chief procurement officers of uh, you know large multinationals. And what those guys were telling us is uh, they were faced with an enormous challenge. You know, each of those, each of their companies were, you know, doing business with uh, tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of vendors all over the place. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have the expertise in order to really, uh, and or the budget, <laughs> to really, uh, you know, monitor and assess and understand the CSR performance uh, of uh, of their vendors and their suppliers on the ESG uh, criteria, and there was also. A huge duplication of efforts. You know, lots of companies were starting with their own, uh, you know, set of questionnaires, with their own audit programs. Uh, of course, suppliers, which were, you know, which are supplying to, uh, you know, dozens or hundreds of customers, were also faced with this huge duplication of uh, of effort. And um, and the and the idea of Ecovadis was to provide an, uh, you know, online platform supported by uh, experts. Uh, to avoid this duplication of effort in, uh, you know, assessing companies so that companies could focus on, you know, uh, using the data, using the metric in their uh, procurement decisions in order to drive improvements in the, you know, environmental and social practices in their supply chain. Right,
0: right. Um, Now, this is clearly something that's uh, very much on the radar uh, for large companies today a number of key factors that are driving uh, attention to this. Can you talk a little bit about how, how that's changed over the last few
1: years? So, the, the, I think the drivers, which are pushing uh, large uh, global multinationals to, uh, to engage their suppliers and engage their supply chain on, on CSR topics have, a, have not changed. You, know, you have mainly three factors. The, the, the first one is around uh, risk management. So you know, protecting their brand, uh, you know, avoiding uh, accidents in their supply chain, which will impact their own you know operations or disrupt their supply chain, ensuring compliance with the uh, with the environmental and social regulations. So risk management, you know, was and still plays a major role. The second driver is around. Um, Cost optimization, so uh, we see many companies realizing that on uh, environmental topics, for example, you know, waste management, energy management, huge portion of their, uh, you know, uh, environmental impacts are in their upstream supply chain, and there is a way to to improve this. And the the last driver is in... um, Maybe innovation or differentiation. So it's for the most advanced companies. You know they realize that it's not only about risk management, it's not only about cost, but uh, but they can you know create better products, or they can uh, you know access new markets if they're able to secure uh, business with suppliers who have you know innovative materials, who are uh, ahead of uh, regulations and mandatory requirements on uh, on environmental or social aspects so risk management uh, you know cost management and uh, and innovation and so on. those are the three uh, those are the three drivers um, maybe what we've seen changing in the past 9 years is uh you know the how to say the broadening of those uh, programs so 9 years ago uh, companies in the you know fmcg food uh, retail sectors uh, were quite uh, quite engaged and quite advanced but for many sectors you know this was a you know many industry uh, oil and gas extractive industries and so on this was not at all on the agenda and uh, and what we see happening uh, year over year is uh, you know more companies realizing that this topic is important, that uh, after looking at their own operations, they, st- they are now being been asked by uh, customers and stakeholders to look at what's happening in their extended value chain.
0: Right, right. And I suppose if you're measuring, you know, if you're looking at something narrowly defined like water or something like that, it, it, it's probably quite easy to, you know, to show some measures of how, you know, much progress a company would have made in terms of its water utilization and things like that. How uh, is there something similar when it comes to looking at uh, supply chains? Is is there some way you can, you know, um, clarify the the progress that companies would have made, or how 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 can companies do that?
1: Yes, so you're right. One of the challenge is that uh, you know, corporate social responsibility is a very wide and very uh, complex topic. And if you factor in the fact that, uh, you know, large multinationals are not only purchasing a single category of products, but they are, you know, they might be purchasing, uh, you know, steel and uh, road freight and uh, electronic devices and, uh, you know, temp label. and all those sectors and all those suppliers are faced with different regulations, different uh, different CSR risks. So this is a complex topic. And one of the challenges, which was preventing adoption by, uh, proc- you know, by business people, by procurement people, was the fact that it was complex to translate this, you know, into simple metrics. And uh, and one of the things that uh, Ecovadis has been doing and is still doing, is being able to, um, you know, analyze practices of uh, vendors across a wide set of, uh, you know, sectors and countries, and be able to you know, analyze all the, you know, all the document, the KPIs, the practices, and translate this into a simple uh, index, you know, on a zero to 100 score, which we break down into, you know, environmental performance, uh, social and human rights performance, ethical performance, supply chain performance, and so on. But uh, having, uh, having the capability to translate this into metrics and, uh, and numbers was a factor which drove a much easier adoption by uh, procurement professionals. Because now they can use, you know, now they can measure perf- you know, CSR performance of vendors the same way they are measuring uh, financial performance of vendors, or the same way they are measuring, uh, you know, on-time delivery or you know, logistic efficiency of, uh, of vendors. And so the, uh, you know, the secret sauce or the, you know, at the core of, uh, of the Ecoveris platform is the, is the methodology which allows us to, you know, analyse, you know, practices of companies. Uh, Using different audit protocols, using different type of certifications, using KPIs which might be relevant to different sectors, and translate this into a simple, uh, you know, score.
0: Right, right. Now, is this a relative score, and is that what you're looking at, or is there some absolute sense that if you reach a hundred or something, you know, that that translates into a very specific set of protocols or outcomes?
1: So the the, the, the way of scoring is built. It's a it's an absolute score. So, uh, you know, we, 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 what we assess is the, the management system of companies. So lo- we look at the strengths and the robustness of their policies. We look at the actions they've implemented to deploy those policies and we look at the, the results, you know, the key performance indicators, um, results, uh, they have obtained on environmental performance on, uh, health and safety and, um, and indeed, we factor in the relative uh, risk of different industries and different sectors so that at the end of the day, we can tell, uh, you know, purchasing director at a global FMCG company, uh, you know, the suppliers with a score of 50, you know, represent a similar level of uh, maturity, you know, whatever the sector, whatever the, whatever the, the countries they, they operate in.
0: Right, right. I'm just thinking about this. You know, the, the the top score that you might get. I I know, uh, Toby Heaps from uh, Corporate Knights, um, recently. Talking about their talking about various uh, sustainability lists and just saying that you know even if you're in the top fifty of 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 the ranking it doesn't mean that you're automatically green in a sense you know it means that you know uh, you're on the on the on on the way and you've made progress and and so forth and I'm just wondering in that sense is there you know uh, some way of reflecting the absolute scale of what that actually means is is that changing over time could a could a company for example be you know getting 87 but um in in over time that means something different because overall the standards are improving and I'm, I'm just trying to translate that into some some sense you know if you said that a company was making a million dollar profit uh, you you can relate to that um i'm just wondering is there a similar way of looking
1: at your ratings yes so um so yes indeed so the the way the scoring is built um in some industry sectors or in some countries you know we see the best performer scores or the average scores of companies being much lower than in other sectors so you know like the the best in a sector will not get 100 it's an uh, absolute scale in this uh, in this respect and indeed um you know we track year over year changes in the scores of uh, of companies uh so overall we are seeing that companies thanks to the feedback we provide and thanks also to the feedback that uh, you know our customers or the buyers are, are providing or the, or the pressure the buyers are providing are you know, they are slowly improving their score, 67% uh, this uh, in, the, in the past year, 67% of companies were improving their, their score year over year. But we also see scores going down, either because, you know, companies have stopped, you know, uh, reporting on specific topics or stopped being certified on specific topics or have lower KPIs, or also, because the framework is uh, evolving year over year and uh, indeed when a, a new regulation is implemented uh, for example on the you know conflict minerals and uh, and companies uh, you know are not doing any, anything to uh, to uh, to um, to ensure they, they, they cope with this regulation their scope might might go down so so generally we we see scores going up albeit very slowly Uh, but we see we see some companies where the where the the rating is going down uh, either because they've changed something to their own operation or they didn't improve their management system to cope with new expectations of uh, stakeholders.
0: Right right Um, and um, presumably some areas they're making more progress than others Uh, some some areas are inherently more challenging than others some areas are uh more recently in the limelight as it were w- what would you say are w- one or two areas where companies have are, are more mature in their uh the their, the way they deal with and 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 manage the the risks and uh one or two areas where they need to do do, do more
1: so the the areas where companies are uh, are more mature across uh, across sectors because it can vary significantly, you know, depending on the you know the, the commodities or the countries. But uh, it's generally topics which have been under the spotlight for a long time, like uh, you know waste management or uh, you know health and safety, uh, these type of topics, topics where we see the weakest scores and the biggest gaps or the biggest variation between uh, between companies are on. Supply chain. So, um, so one of the fourth scores we have is supply chain. So we are measuring what, you know, vendors of, uh, you know, Johnson and Johnson are doing with their own vendors, and uh, and we are looking at, uh, you know, basically how our, our risks are managed in the lower tiers of the of the supply chain, and and generally, um, supply chain is still the weakest uh, score. So so we see many companies having now, you know. Robust practices when it comes to their own operations, but uh, just beginning to address what's happening in their extended supply chain, and uh, and that's part of the uh, how to say, you know, virtuous circle or the cascading effect which Ecovadis uh, also uh, also you know, is also creating. You know, many of the 30,000 uh, suppliers which are now using our platform and subscribing to our platform are now starting to engage more of their own suppliers, but that, that there is still a huge uh, room for improvement in this uh, in this area.
0: Right, and, and is there some, not rule of thumb, but some sense in the, that you can reflect the, the, the scale of the impact of a company's supply chain compared to its overall economic activity? I guess it varies by industry but if a company's really looking primarily at its own activities uh, and if you wanted to really measure its overall economic impact and also the ESG factors, presumably the including its supply chain, would have a significant uh, impact and increase the scale of its activity. Have you got some way of representing that?
1: Yes, in... Uh so in in financial terms, it's relatively easy to do. Uh, most of the companies we work with, you know, I would say all the all of the companies we work with, those large global multinationals, between fifty percent to seventy percent of their turnover, of their of their revenue, is actually spent with their uh, with their suppliers, with their vendors, with their, with their tier one vendors. So, uh, you know, with the hundred fifty. Uh, global multinationals who are using our platform on the the buy side, this represents roughly $1 trillion of business, you know, which is the world that every year that, uh, you know, spend. Uh, If we look at, uh, you know, ESG impact, uh, it's, uh, you know, more difficult to quantify, but but there are a number of studies which have shown that, for example, um, you know, greenhouse gas impact are, you know, um, Five times more important in the value chain than in the own operation. So, uh, you know, company will have uh, will have twenty percent of their you know greenhouse gas impact in their own operation, eighty percent in their uh, upstream value chain. Wow,
0: so it matters a lot.
1: Yes, it, it it matters a lot, and it and it's also a critical way to drive adoption of those practices in you know within smes which are which are private companies which are not expo- which are not exposed to the type of uh, you know pressure that larger uh, listed uh, companies are because they are not uh, you know listed on the financial markets because they are not uh, they don't have a brand which is exposed to consumers so You know, our belief is really that if you want to drive a wide scale adoption of ESG practices with those, uh, you know, 2 million companies, uh, 95% of them being uh, SMEs, you need to, you know, much more than regulators, much more than governments, much more than, uh, much more than consumers, you know, the the power or the leverage of supply chain is going to be a critical uh, factor.
0: Right. And what's the scale of your activities at the moment?
1: So, Ecobedis, So we are uh, we are now 320 employees. Uh we are uh, we are growing uh, activity 50% or 40% year over year. So we are we are still growing very very fast. We have now 30,000 uh, companies uh across 110 countries which are uh, you know which are customers of our platform. Uh most of them as suppliers uh Part of them as uh, as brands or as uh, as buyers, and uh, and so th- this is you know they start to represent a significant scale. You know our our beliefs at the outset of Equities were that we needed to leverage uh, technology and uh, and the cloud platform in order to have a really a scalable model. So you know, contrary to other rating agencies, our objective is really to be able to cover you know not a couple of. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of listed companies, but uh, potentially several hundreds of thousands or millions of, uh, of companies tomorrow.
0: Right, right. And um, how, how far, how much progress has been made with the SMEs? You talked about the two million companies. Um, I guess they could be all at various stages uh, it, it, uh, on their journey and it'll depend by industry. But what what kind of measures would you point to to show the growing? uh interest in these factors in 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 uh e s g factors and the impact uh that that that's taking place
1: so a couple of things um one interesting one is is for example that when we look at uh, you know Suppliers in uh, you know in Europe or suppliers in US or suppliers in uh, in China, we start to see interesting things, uh, particularly uh, for China, where we start to see uh, you know mid-sized companies understanding that CSR and ESG is. An important factor for customers and a good driver for, uh, you know, business growth. And we start to see those mid sized some of those mid sized companies in China having a, a better performance or having better environmental management systems than their uh, U.S. Or, uh, or French counterparts. Uh, partly because they are very reactive to, uh, you know, signals of uh, customers and they're very business driven. Partly because they are still investing and they are, you know, building new factories and, and able to invest in, uh, in, uh, in new uh, new technologies but it's not you know as one might think you know you know very good pe- you know good performance of companies in uh in western europe and poor performance in uh in asia we start to see uh, uh in average it's true of course but in, uh, you know for the for the best performers we start to see some of the best performers coming from those uh, emerging countries so uh, we we showed that uh, you know for for SMEs they can be quick to adapt and when the end customers, when these large uh, you know, global multinationals, send a signal saying that they will give a preference to companies with a good uh, CSR rating or that they will uh, factor this in their procurement uh, or business award decision, you know, they, they can be fast to, um, to, uh, to react.
0: Right, right. And to what extent, what, how, how important a role is regulation playing here? There's a new administration in the United States, the regulation, uh, the regulatory drive, maybe not what it was. Um, to what extent are companies doing this because it makes business sense? And again, um, you know, how would you reflect uh, these changing uh, drivers?
1: So I, I think for the how to say for the for the leaders, you know, the, we work with companies like uh, you know Nestle, Unilever, uh, Heineken, Coca-Cola, and so on. They are not so much driven by regulation. They are driven because they understand it's a critical uh, you know differentiation factor now that uh, they need to do better than their competition. That it's critical to the. You know the resilience of their of their business and so on. So for those companies, it's not such an important uh, factor. For companies which are more at the beginning of this journey, it's true that uh, many of them start because they understand they need to comply with regulations and, and regulations related to sustainability in the supply chain have been uh, you know literally popping up all over the all over the globe in the past uh, in the past five years. Whether it's the, uh, you know, the UK Modern, Modern Slavery Act uh, two years ago, the, uh, you know, US uh, FCPA on uh, on corruption, the California Transparency Act, the new uh, devoir de vigilance in uh, in France, so there was a big push for regulations either addressing, uh, you know, environmental or forced table or you know, corruption topics. Uh, across europe and, uh, and and us and and, the, and this is indeed one of the factors which is pushing less mature or less advanced companies to start engaging on this topic because they say okay well, at least we need to, to be able to comply with uh, with regulations and
0: uh, many of these companies or it might be in industries that wouldn't necessarily be consumer facing or be parts of industries where they wouldn't necessarily be seen by consumers and maybe have had those uh, factors driving it in the past.
1: Yes, no. I, I, actually, if we look at the large uh, multinationals which are using our platform, I would say eighty percent of them are not customer facing. You know, uh, we have large programs with companies like uh, you know Schneider Electric or with uh, you know in uh, industry all. Uh, you know, energy with uh, Nissan or Renault in automotive, with uh, with a financial services company, and so on. So we see many companies who are doing it because they're B two B, you know, they're they are B two B company, but their end customers, you know, which will be uh, B two C companies, are now asking about what's happening in packaging, what's happening in electronics, what's happening in the, in the, um, road freight or transportation. So so this cascading effect. Is, is also pushing companies which are not directly in touch with the, with consumers to start engaging. And, and sometimes what's interesting, the the business signals sent by, you know, in the B2B world are clearer than the business signals sent by consumers. You know, it's a, there was a study published, um, I think two weeks ago by Unilever saying that uh, one third of consumers were now ready to, uh, to give preference to ethical products, and that's what a uh, you know trillion dollar opportunity. But it's you know still difficult to measure when you are in uh, automotive and uh, and when you are a consumer when you're you know, when you're supplier of automotive parts and when your when you are, when your customer says, okay, you need to have a CSR score of 50 to qualify the vendor. That's very easy to uh, that's very easy to measure. You know that's a very uh, very clear signal right and what is the, is there an average measure you have for
0: everybody using your system and and, and you know uh, where 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 do you want the average to be in the next 3 to 5 years what would be a uh, you know an impressive uh, rate of progress given the narrow window of time we have to deal with you know some of these uh, major global climate change issues particularly
1: so the 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 average score across the 30,000 companies using our platform is still uh, is still low it's below 50 it's actually uh 40, uh, 40 around 45 now uh, w- you know we don't have a relative score so it's uh, it's uh, it's close to the average not by design but because that's uh, you know the the way we measure companies indeed uh i think one of the challenge we face is um you know a number of the of the a number of the global sustainability changes we are we are facing, such as climate change you mentioned require you know very short term drastic change and uh, and most of the companies we engage with they are more into you know continuous improvements incremental improvements you know they want the average performance of their vendors uh um, move at ten points over uh, over two years you know and uh, and, uh, and few companies are really thinking in terms of uh, breakthrough or setting up uh, you know game changing goals you know saying uh, we want to have uh, zero waste in our know, supply chain or we want to have zero uh, you know we want 80 uh, percent of our vendors to be uh, carbon neutral or, or this type of uh, radical goals you know they are more thinking in terms of uh, how can we progressively increase the you know uh, Increase the the threshold, or increase the increase the bar, and uh, and it's uh, yes, it, it, it's a challenge when we look at the you know the magnitude of the challenges we're we're faced with.
0: That's fascinating. I, I'm I'm mindful of the time, but that maybe just on that last question, um, this these this this question of radical change, game changing goals. What can be done, do you think, um, big organizations? Can be difficult to change, and people talk about a burning platform that sometimes needs something like that to really create uh, exponential change. And I, I just interviewed John Elkington, who, who uh, from Volans, who talks a lot about these you know, exponential technologies and the potential they have, and and really exponential thinking. Now, I know a lot of that can comes out of the uh, uh, west coast of America and can be quite uh, uh, extreme. But I, I was wondering. You know, have you some thoughts on on how to uh, do this? How to be more radical and how to get those uh, bigger changes to, to take place?
1: Yes, no, no. It's it's a it's a discussion we often have with uh, John, who's uh, we are privileged to have him sitting on our board since we started uh, EcoVadis nine, nine years ago, and and I think the solution comes down to two things so yes we we need to have breakthrough technologies we need to have you know really uh, you know innovative uh, product solutions and, and so on and uh you know and sustainability people and experts and uh you know designers are quite good at that but we also need scale you know if we look at some uh, you know breakthrough technologies like circular economy or breakthrough concept like circular economy they are very impressive in the result they can achieve, but they are very difficult to scale. So I think what's interesting with uh, with supply chain and, and leveraging the, the power of, uh, you know, chief supply chain officer or chief, uh, chief procurement officers, they are quite good at scale adoption of, uh, of programs. You know, we, we typically work with companies where, you know, the sustainability team will have, you know, very exciting ideas and so on, but, you know, one which will difficultly scale. Whereas, you know, the procurement people, are Maybe less uh, less creative and less innovative, but they are very good at scaling things. At, at, at saying, okay, this is going to be used by uh, 10,000 of our suppliers worldwide, or this is going to be used uh, within a year by uh, you know 80% of our factories and so on. So combining the creativity of uh, sustainability experts and designers and R&D with the uh, how to say process and uh, and uh, systemization mindset. Of procurement and supply chain uh, professionals is, I think, the right, you know, the right, the right combination or the winning team, in order to uh, to achieve some of the, some of the, you know, some of the change we need to we need to see. Fascinating, fascinating. Are you optimistic? I am, uh I think I'm a um, born optimistic or natural optimistic, otherwise I wouldn't be an entrepreneur and I wouldn't have started this process. Some of the, how to say, some of the changes we see, um, like, you know, uh, government changes in the U.S. in the last months or across Europe in the last months are very, uh, very concerning, but uh, overall I remain optimistic,
0: and finally, then your vision for Ecovadis over the next three to five years, where do you want to be?
1: So, our, our vision for the three to next three to five years is, uh, in, you know, make those ratings even more, you know, mainstream and recognized and and scale. And 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 one of the key things we need to do for this is to leverage the power of, uh, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning in order to, you know, further automate our platform. So we just completed last month uh, an investment round of 30 million uh, euros in order to provide us with the, you know, the, the resources to fund all these R&D investment. So, so making our ratings even more uh, reliable and uh, developing the technology which will allow us to scale them across, uh, you know, millions of companies in the in the future.
0: That's a great vision, Pierre-François, and uh, thank you very much. For taking the time to speak to the sustainability agenda today, and I wish you the very best of success in the future.
1: Thank you, Fagul, and uh, thanks to all of you for listening to the podcast. Excellent.
0: Thank you for listening to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. I hope you found it interesting. Please sign up at the sustainabilityagenda.com website or on iTunes to make sure you don't miss any future episodes.